Let's pray before I get into the message this morning. Again, Heavenly Father, I pray that you go before me in this message, Lord, that my words would be your words, that we would truly hear from you this morning, Lord, that you would be magnified through all that we do, that we would truly come to a more authentic, genuine appreciation of all that you do in our lives, all that you do in our church, all that you do in our world, Lord, and that we would just see you more fully through your church. We thank you, Lord, for that privilege. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So, New Year. Well, I don't know about you, but my New Year usually begins kind of how things look around here. Um, You know, I'm not always ready for it, right? Kind of like it would look like we weren't ready for service this morning when a couple lights were out, the banners are falling off the walls, Um, Pastor Mike didn't vacuum the hallway. Um, You know, it's kind of set up like this, don't worry, we don't have to worry. However, you know, my New Year starts out messy. It does. You know, I woke up this morning. I said, am I 100% ready for the new year to take on 2017? Am I ready? I don't know. Um, But I'm going to do my best to be ready. I'm going to be genuine. I'm going to move into 2017 with light. Um, So, okay. Yeah, so we're having a little bit of a light issue. Um, It's not a ghost, I promise. Um... Yeah, we're going to have the electrician come out. You know, the new year is when you've got to begin to reevaluate things. Say, okay, we need to get the electrician here. We need somebody to get on a ladder to fix the banner. We need some new light bulbs. That's what you do in the new year, right? That's what I mean. That's what I'm doing in my life as I move into the new year. I'm saying, okay, there's some things I need to change, some things I've got to do a little different, some things I might have to clean up, um, some things I might have to fix. Uh, you know, that's, that's the new year, right? So for me, when I got in here, I, you know, I, at first I got a little nervous. Oh, man, we need light bulbs. We need everything else. But then I realized that, you know what? We can relax as we move into the new year, right? We can relax. We're here. It's the first day of the year. Can we just take a breather and say, you know, all right, we're in the house of God. We began in the house of God this new year. You know, as I've been thinking through these weeks, I said, so God made it that Christmas was on a Sunday, which if you've heard me talk off the record, I've always said, I don't know who came up with the idea to put Christmas on a Sunday. You know, that's, man, obviously God plans our calendar, right? So, uh, then I, I sat there and I said, who would put New Year's Day on a Sunday? You know, I, I, I was very hard on a lot of my friends. I told them, if I don't see you in church on New Year's Day, you know, that's, that says a lot. You didn't begin the, the year pr- properly or appropriately. Um, one of the things I also began to worry about was all the Christmas decorations. It's New we're, we're past Christmas, right? It's New Year's. It's New Year's. I had a friend remind me the 12 days of Christmas actually is after Christmas. I never knew that. So that gave me a break, right? So I didn't have to clean up all the Christmas decorations. We still have some time to go at seven. All right, not going to do math up here. But uh, either way, we have a couple more days into Christmas. They call it Christmas Tide, right? The Christmas season. Um, I think it ends somewhere around January 5th. I'm somewhere over there. So last Sunday, we talked about a mystical Christmas. And the goal in that sermon was to begin to highlight for us as we moved into this new year the mystical realities that we have in Christ. I had shared that the word mystical means hidden, right? So there's, there's things that we know that we have in Christ, right? We, we know that a child was given to us. He was visibly seen in the world 2,000 years ago. But we know that through that child, there was some hidden realities, things that we enjoy today, things that we know. Namely, what we talked about last week was that we are the flesh and blood body of Jesus Christ. That when the world is looking for a flesh and blood reality, we are that reality. We are Christ to the world. One of the things that stood out to me is in, during the Christmas season, we talk about Jesus, who is, according to the Gospels, full of grace and full of truth. 
Well, if we're to be that flesh and blood body, then we need to be a people that are full of grace and full of truth. That's how I want us to move into the new year. I think that's how God would want us to move into the new year. Full of grace and full of truth because we are his body to the world. Seems to make sense, right? So this week I began reading a book called Hidden Christmas. Seemed to go right along with my message on a mystical Christmas. Um, And Hidden Christmas was written by Tim Keller. He's a uh, Presbyterian pastor in New York City. And he said this. He said, to understand Christmas is to understand basic Christianity, the gospel. So to understand Christmas is to understand the gospel. So then I began to think, and I said, do we really understand Christmas? Have we really taken to heart the reality of the child being born and all that we talked about last week? So I thought, why not refresh our mind and have us sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing, a beautiful song that highlights the reality that we have in Christ. So what I want to do is I just want to read through that song, the lyrics that we sung this morning. And I kind of want to ask you, you know, is this true? Is this your reality? Are we just singing, or is this our actual reality? It says, Hark the herald, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. So we know that that is the goal of Christmas, right? It's that Christ came into this world, put on flesh, this glory of the newborn king, these, you know, the, the heralding message is that this king has been born, and this king, this God-man, will reconcile God and man, right? That, that was the goal of Christmas. Joyful, all you nations rise, join with triumph of the skies, with the angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Now, for many people, they don't even understand why that would be important. Why was it important that Christ would be born in Bethlehem? Now, we understand that it's fulfilling Bible prophecy, right? That's the goal, that Jesus was fulfilling something that was far off and hoped for. That's this child that is being born in Bethlehem. And that's why these angels are singing. This was something that was so far off. Matter of fact, it highlights it in the next verse here. It says, Christ by highest heavens adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time, behold him come. Right? It was far off. They had been waiting and waiting for this Messiah to come. So he came late in time. I would say right on time. Uh, Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Again, another Bible prophecy. Uh, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man to dwell, pleased as man with to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel, right? That he is, he is God with us. Jesus is the reality of God with us. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. So that, again, you're seeing all, the, all that the Messiah was supposed to do. And then finally, hail the heaven-born prince of peace, hail the son of righteousness. Life, light and life to all he brings. Light and life. To all he brings. That's what we're celebrating. That he brought light and he brought life. Right? To all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. So Christ comes in the flesh. This is the the message that is being proclaimed by the angels. And he comes to bring God to us. He comes to reconcile sinners. He comes to raise the sons of the earth and to give them second birth. We know that that is the, the reality we read about in the book of John, where in order to enter into the kingdom of God, we must be born again. We must die to ourselves and put on Christ in order to experience life. So that's what we celebrate with Christmas. So I, I guess I, I want to ask you, is that, is that your reality? 
Are you really praising God for the newborn king? Or is it just something that we sing around Christmas time? You know, I wanted to make sure we sang that after Christmas because that message is not just true on December 24th or 25th when we sing it. It's true all year long. I wondered, I said, are we allowed to sing a Christmas hymn on January 1st? Yeah. I don't know who made that a Christmas hymn. You know? So, uh, again, I hope that we would truly begin to see that hymn as a reality for us, that we would say glory to the newborn king and understand what that meant for the nations, why the nations would praise God, why the heavens praise God in, in regards to this newborn king. So, enough about Christmas. We're, we're past that, right? So as I've been thinking through living life and studying, what God has been saying to me in, in my life is authenticity. Be authentic. Be authentic in everything that you do. Everything. So I began to look up the word authentic because this word just keeps going through my head. I looked into it. The word authentic means to have a place of origin to be genuine or real. That you can trace it back, right? You know, it has to... For the uh, place of origin, you would say that in order for something to be authentic, you have to be able to trace it back to something. For me, that works with this book, right, the Bible. We could trace it back. We can understand how this truth was given all the way back to the time of Adam in the ancient Near East and understand what he was saying to his culture. Then we could read through the Old Testament prophets, understand what they were saying to their culture. And we could truly tra trace this back. We could trace these scriptures back to see that they are authentic in regards to conveying the truth of God. Again, there's a lot of other stories out there that you could look into. However, if you look into, if we do the diligence to study this book, to prove all things, examine everything carefully, we'll see that this book is authentic. Right? We, and I think most of us have come to agree with that and come to know that. Genuine and real, I imagine we don't need to define those things. You know, we know what that means. So as I think about Christmas, and I, there was something else I had wanted to mention in regards to Christmas. Sorry to bring us back. But Another thing that we talk about, that light and life that he was bringing to men, right? Christmas is characterized by Christmas lights. And as I began to do some thinking about that, I realized that's interesting that the world was dark, right? And then Christmas, we have lights that we put around the house, and it's supposed to symbolize the light that came, the light that came from outside of the, of the uh, earth. That there was a light, the world was dark, and the world needed light, and then that light came from outside of this world, or from outside of the room, and then brought light into the world, right? That, that's, that's what we celebrate in Christ. That's, that's Christianity. That's Christmas. That, that light came into our world. He is light for us when all lights go out. We would agree with that, right? So what we're going to also say is that there's something natural. The natural, right, the story that was conveyed through the Old Testament, a very natural story, was dark. Just like our lives, if we're living them naturally, according to our own design, they're going to be dark. And what we're saying to the world is that the spiritual, the light that has been offered through Jesus Christ can be yours and it will illuminate your entire life. But you have to be spiritual. You have to move away from natural, your own design, and you have to be willing to put on the spiritual. And I'm going to, I'm going to define spirituality for you this morning. And what we're going to define spirituality is elevated. So you think of natural, man-made is here, and then spiritual is here. It's elevated. It's the truth of God. There's only one spirituality, though. There has to be a genuine, authentic spirituality. Otherwise, whatever you're calling spirituality is a lie. Um, so, it feels like a show this morning. Um, all right, so if we, if we don't understand that that light 
is true spirituality, is the true elevated understanding that we are supposed to have as Christians. And we under, if we don't understand that, then all we're end up, we end up doing is offering people man-made wisdom, carnal wisdom, darkness. I don't want to offer the world darkness. I want to offer them light, the light that, goes, that does not go out, right? The light that does not go out. I, I want to offer them Jesus. That, that's what I want to offer the world. I want to make sure that what I'm offering the world is the message of Jesus. I want to make sure that when I'm offering people wisdom, and you know, I'm going to challenge you with some stuff this morning. When I'm offering people advice, you know, all of you have some different scenarios, different people you're talking to in your lives, and those people are probably seeking wisdom or seeking advice. Everybody's seeking advice in some regard. So my question I want to get you thinking this morning is, what are you giving people? Are you giving them natural wisdom or are you giving them spiritual wisdom? Do you know the spiritual wisdom? Because that's something we need to think about at the beginning of the year. We need to think about what we're offering the world. What, you know, are we giving them natural man-made wisdom, which we're not called to do as the body of Christ? We're called to offer light, spirituality, life, not the same thing that the world already has. So, you know, again, we, one of the things that really, just to highlight the truth of Christmas, we know that that light that came from outside of the world that we celebrate with Christmas lights and set up is supposed to be a reality within us. We are supposed to be that light in this world. We have the light within us, so we are the ones that are called to dispel the darkness of the world. And the darkness of the world is created by lies. That's where it all begins, lies. False narratives, false stories, false understandings of everything. Why we exist, why, what the world is, um, who God is. You know, it goes, we could go down the list of the lies the world is speaking about. And how we need to be teaching them an elevated understanding, a spiritual understanding. So, as I began to think about, you know, uh, this word authentic, a couple passages came to mind that I want to share with you this morning. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11. It says that um, in, we're going to turn to it. That's probably easier. Chapter 25, Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11. You saw I had it all ready, and then I just forgot. I like the lights, you know, the lights just went off. Uh, Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11 says this. Like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken in the right circumstances. You know, a word rightly spoken. So what my goal for you this morning is to not just preach a sermon and send you on your way that you came to church, but to speak to you a word in the right season. So I want, again, I'm highlighting that authenticity. I want to make sure that we're being authentic, that we're really being genuine in regards to what we know, what we understand, and what we're trying to convey to the world. And what we need to do this morning is understand that as the right message, that we need to be authentic, that we need to know what we're telling the world. Um, I want to ask if you're interested in turning with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. I want to share some of the Apostle Paul's wisdom to uh, his spiritual son, Timothy. Because Timothy, let's face it, Timothy was in a similar understanding of us. He wanted to carry on the truth of God. So what I'm telling you this morning is that we are to be the people that have the truth of God. We are to be the people that have the light, have the life, have the true spirituality that we're offering to the nations. So Timothy, when he was learning from the Apostle Paul, would have been learning the same exact thing. He had a, you know, he would have wanted to go out and make sure he was offering true spirituality, genuine spirituality, or what we're eventually going to come to call authentic spirituality to the world. He wanted to make sure he gave them the truth, the true wisdom. And listen to what the Apostle Paul says to Timothy here. I'm going to start at verse 3 in chapter 6. If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
and with a doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing. But he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words, out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we could take nothing out of it either. So we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and snares, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But flee from these things, you men of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life with which you were called, and you made good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So the Apostle Paul clearly goes on to encourage Timothy to stay away from certain people that are constantly causing arguments, people that think that, that we should sell our faith, that we should offer it to, um, you know, for the gain, for monetary gain. Um, stay away from those that were obviously the Judaizers were very constant friction in, that, in their communities that the Apostle Paul was setting up, and then he was sending Timothy to go kind of help out. So he, he talks about a couple things here, obviously. He talks about the uh, love of money. He talks about um, the things that we should pursue, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. That, that sounds about right. So, you, you know, those are the things. That's the way we should be living our lives. And then if you read this, though, if you read this appropriately, it sounds that the Apostle Paul is being very harsh. He's telling Timothy, you know, avoid these people, stay away from them, mark them out, because they are going against the gospel that we preach. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church says very similar stuff. He tells them to demolish strongholds, anything that's coming up to lead them away from the knowledge of God. Demolish. Demolish is not a friendly word. That's a war term. Demolish strongholds. You know, demolish them. Move people away from these strongholds and lead them to the knowledge of God. Again, that's the Apostle Paul's wisdom in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So, as I, I began to think about these things, I said that's what we are called to do as an authentic church, as an authentic, uh, as an authentic part of God's church would probably be the right way, right? As an authentic part of the body. You know, we, each and every one of us are considered limbs of the body that we have here, but then we are considered a limb of the larger body of Christ. So, as I began to think about that, I said the things we need to have clear as we move into a new year is our call. Our call is to stay away from certain things, to con- stay away from false teachers, stay away from false teachings, strongholds that seem to keep us away from the knowledge of God. We're called to demolish them in order to lead other people to the knowledge of God. We're called to display righteousness, peace. We're called to display the fruits of the kingdom. These are the things that we're all called to authentically do. So we can pretty much sum them up. That we're called to convey certain realities, right? Peace, joy, righteousness. And we're called to demolish certain things. We're called to kind of say no and, and you know, ruin the, even the image of that thing being true or good. So as I began to think about all of this stuff, I said, how do we do that at Blue Point Bible Church? What, what would I posit as an authentic vision for our church in 2017? And I, something that we have talked about here at the church was that we're a thinking faith. We, we represent a thinking faith. Here at our church, when you talk about a New Year's message, there's some churches you could go to this morning 
that they're singing and dancing still at about 11.15, still singing and dancing, jumping around. And then uh, you have, you know, churches that are going to be very solemn and, you know, they're going to go through the, through the liturgy uh, very quiet and meek. And then you have us that I say, we come here and we want to learn and hear from God, want to know the truth, you know, and, and that way we'll be empowered to be the people of God out there. That's what I get from most of us. I think we have this thinking, right? We, we think a lot. We're, we're a thinking church. We read the Bible, and then we build on top of what we read. We think about it. And then faith is the action. Faith is what we do with it, what we're thinking about. We begin to live that reality, right? You, if you believe God is faithful, you're going to do things that you know he's going to be faithful to follow through. You know, if, um, if I ask God to go before me in my day, in my preaching of the gospel, then I'm going to make sure I know the gospel and I provide opportunity. Interesting, the gospel is light. I felt that was a good time to uh, bring that up. Um, so in, in bringing the gospel to the world, you know, we, that's what we do. We think about it and then we act on it. We are faith. We know God is faithful. So we go about telling people about his faithfulness, trusting in his faithfulness. Um, we know, um, what's something else you know about God? Somebody give me something. What's something you know about God? What's a truth you know? He's faithful. He's, we have a relationship with him. How about he answers prayer, right? That's why we're faithful in lifting up our prayers to him, right? That's our faith. Our faith is demonstrated by, because if you don't believe God answers prayer, why would you pray? And then a lot of people don't pray. That call, they say they believe in prayer, but they don't pray, which actually demonstrates what? That they don't believe in prayer. So faith is us actually knowing, thinking, and having a reality and then saying, we're going to build on top of that. I'm going to act in accordance with what I think about, what I know about God, or what I think about God. We'll use that for, for this. Um, what I would say, know, what I know about God. Kind of like uh, I always think of Peter getting out of the boat, right? Peter knew that that was Jesus, and he knew Jesus would challenge him. Jesus will challenge me. If that's Jesus, he's going to tell me to get out of the boat and walk on water. And then Jesus told him to walk on water, and he got out of the boat, Initially, everything worked out, and then he began to trust in his own natural reasoning. I'm walking on water, and slowly you begin to sink. So a thinking faith, that's what we do here. So we're, we're called to convey certain realities to the world, and we're called to demolish certain realities. We do that here by thinking about it, understanding the scriptures, and then applying that in our lives by our faith. Right? We, we begin to see that lived out. So I want to ask you, and I want to really challenge you this morning to begin thinking about it. Maybe use the back of your bulletin, unless it looks like, wow, I have two bulletins. God provides. Um, so I was going to say, unless it looks like my bulletin. But if your bulletin looks more like this bulletin, I would urge you to use this to write down maybe, in what ways did you grow in 2016? What ways did you grow? Where do you feel that God is growing you into 2017? What are some of the things that you, you need to be reviewing, examining about yourself? Um, what, maybe what could you praise God for in 2016? Um, I realized yesterday as I did a review, my whole year was so full of blessings that I forgot I got engaged in 2016. That's, that's wild. So I was like, man, my, my year has been full of blessings. I was just going back. I was like, oh, wow, that was this year. And, you know, just so many blessings. So I, I invite you to do the same. Begin to review your year. You know, me, I have social media, so I was able to go back and just kind of look at the beginning of the year and say, oh, look at that. That was there. That was there. Hope Day was this year. Didn't even, I don't know why, in my review, I didn't realize Hope Day was this year, in, yeah, in June. So uh, time just seems to fly. Um, so, again, challenge yourself. Where, where are you at? You know, what, in what ways did you grow in 2016? What ways are you growing into 2017? 
Now I want to get into what I really wanted to talk to you about this morning. One of the things I'm looking to do is move us into an understanding of authentic spirituality, right? When I say authentic, I, I realize that I need to explain that because I asked on the internet, uh, what do you think authentic spirituality is? And I got every answer from New Age. Somebody said that that's what they thought when I said authentic spirituality. Um, you think you're better than me was another response um, because I guess I'm saying authentic in contrast to your not-so-authentic spirituality. Um, you know, and there was a couple different... Actually, there was probably about 45 different explanations as to what people thought I was saying. And then it began fights. Everybody started fighting with each other. You know, that's not what it means. And it just started going crazy. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to define it for you. I've already defined authentic. It has a place of origin. It's real. It's genuine. Spirituality elevated beyond. Right? Spirit. If you look at the word spirit, what it simply means is there's man and then there's spirit. There's natural and then there's something that's beyond natural. That's beyond man. That's above. And in the ancient Near Eastern world, that's, again, you had men living by the, the gods they created, right? And it's the very natural, the very natural man-made stuff. And then every religion, unfortunately, would talk about the spirits or the spirit, the elevated understanding. The question is, which one's authentic? Which one could truly be placed, traced back to a place of origin, right? That's, again, that's what authentic means, that it can be traced back. And... We have to figure out if we have an authentic spirituality. You need to figure that out for yourself. You know, how, how if we're saying authentic spirituality is a genuine, elevated understanding, do you have a genuine, elevated understanding that you would say, that is God, that's God speaking? That when I talk, when I, I give people wisdom, when I share my advice with people, that that is God working through me? Or are you spending more time telling people what you think? Right? That's, we're, we're not really called to do that. It's not about what we think. We're called to tell people what God thinks, to have that genuine spirituality, that authentic spirituality, and offer that to the world. Real quickly, I'm going to remind you of the gospel. This is eternal life. In John chapter 17, I believe it is, um, Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they would know me whom God has sent. They would know me. Right? That's eternal life, that we would know Jesus Christ. One of the ways I like to sum, sum up eternal life is eternally fulfilling and satisfying life. That's what we've been offered through Jesus Christ, an eternally fulfilling and satisfying life. Now, what that also enables us to do is worship God in spirit and in truth, John chapter 4, verse 24, right? Jesus came so that we would worship God in spirit and in truth because God desires to be worshipped in spirit and in truth. So, eternal life, eternally fulfilling and satisfying life, worshipping God in truth. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it tells us we have the mind of Christ, that we, have, that we are spiritually discerned people. That we are called to be the people that have that elevated understanding and offering that to the world. Another definition of authentic spirituality that I stole from the internet is does not cater to culture, but calls the culture into accountability. That's what we should be doing. That's our elevated understanding. We're not catering to the culture. We're not just saying hey, what do you think? And let's kind of jumble it all together and just make up our own version of what we think um, God is saying. No, no. What we're saying is we genuinely believe that these, this elevated understanding is the truth of God. See, this is the truth of God. We need to know how and why we have a, gen we need to know how and why we have a genuine faith or a genuine spirituality. We need to know one of the reasons we do Bible study. One of the reasons we're always doing that is we need to know so much about this book that we can explain to people why 
we have this right understanding, why what we're saying is authentic in contrast to all the lies. We have to have a genuine understanding of that. So one of the things in keeping with our vision of thinking faith this year, um, I'm doing two things, actually in keeping with authenticity as well. Um, Immersed Discipleship was a program that we've been holding here at the church for the past three years. We're not going to do that anymore because I'm going to challenge you. Where is God building you up to be immersed in the knowledge of him? Now, you know, me, I could hold the program and I could bring to the program my studies and where God's challenging me, but I want to begin to challenge you. Maybe on the back of that paper, another thing you could write is, you know, what are the things that um, God wants you to look into? What are the, where are the areas that God wants you to learn, that he wants you to be built up to be a better picture for him? In my life, one of the things I'm doing in the beginning of the year, I've already created my uh, about 15 books that I'm trying to read before March. Um, I want to immerse myself into Judaism. I want to understand some of the concepts of the, the Shema. I want to understand the, the Parsha, right? That's how I say it. I want to understand how the Jews would have went through their own system to better understand the discipleship that Jesus Christ was offering because they were living in a very Jewish culture. So sometimes I think we miss that. We, we miss the, the very Jewish stuff that, you know, um, I think it was Rob Bell has a series called The Dust of the Rabbi, and he talks about that when disciples used to follow their rabbi, they would want to be covered in the dust of his feet, that they would want to walk so closely to him that they would be covered in that dust that would be lifted up as they walked behind their rabbi in the desert. I thought that was a great picture. And that was actually a concept in Jewish culture, to be covered in the dust of the rabbi. And I began to look into it, and I said, wow, they have such a different way of discipleship than we do. And then I, I kind of felt that I'm missing out. You know, I don't like to miss out. So I said, I, I need to dive into this stuff and learn more about this type of tradition. That's where I'm at. Where are you at? What are some of the things you're learning about? What, maybe what's God leading in, you into learning this year? This is the time to think. January 1st, now's the time, right? If you don't begin now, I don't know if you'll ever begin throughout the year, and you'll be saying the same thing again next January 1st. So, you know, where, where are you in that regard? Another thing is going to be Bible reading. Um, tonight, I'm going to be sending out an email to everybody in our church, and I'm going to challenge you with three different Bible readings. I'm going to, you know, if you want to read the Bible in, actually, I'll probably send you more than three, but do you want to read the Bible in 90 days? Do you want to read the Bible in a year? Do you want to read the Bible in two years? What do you want to do? Now's the time to begin that plan. So I want to offer you a bunch of different plans. I found a website this morning that had 25 different Bible reading plans for the year. So I'll send the email to everybody, and you know I urge you to find one. The reason being is that instead of having a program called Immersed Discipleship, we're going to have real authentic discipleship here this year. I'm going to ask you where God's challenging you. What are the things you're learning? I want you to be reading your Bible throughout the year, and that way when we have Saturday morning Bible study, I don't show up with a topic. You show up with your Bible. Where are you reading? What are you reading? Let's really begin to disciple each other together. So if we're all reading the Bible in different forms, when we show up to a Saturday morning Bible study, we should be able to say, what are you learning? Where are you at? What do you have questions about? You know, what, do you, what did you learn this week in your reading? And I believe that's how we'll grow more fully this year. Again, authentic. I'm kind of getting sick and tired of the programs. Um, authentic's a good word. Um, so... We need to know why and how we have this genuine spirituality. We need to offer people not man-made thoughts or traditions. That's one thing we, we do good here, right? We're a thinking church. We're not building our, our theology on what we were taught past 10 years. We're not building our theology on what the Christian church says you must teach, right? We're building our theology on what this book says when studied out in its proper context, which, again, is going to be in contrast to some very popular Christian teaching sometimes. We, I mean, we know that. We're preterists, let's face it, we're preterists. So we, we know that, you know that certain truths of God will put us outside the bounds of Christian tradition. 
So I want to explore that more fully this year. What are some other areas that maybe we're afraid to, to go into because we say, I don't want that to upset my apple cart. I'm willing to go there. I'm willing to challenge myself this year. I pray that you are as well. That's, that's what we need to be doing as we begin the year. One of the things, as I think through how we have an authentic spirituality here at our church, a true thinking faith, I would say that what we do is we begin to, by understanding the biblical narrative. Somebody comes into our church, we say, you need to understand the Bible. You need to get into Bible study. Begin reading the Bible at some form, some part. Find a partner and maybe ask some questions. Then we understand how that was manifest through Jesus Christ, right? Not only do we study the historical context, we also begin to understand the spiritual reality, right? What does that mean for me? What is Jesus saying to me? through these truths that we find in this, script, in, the, in this book. And then our goal should be, how am I going to convey this truth to other people? That's the next step. It's the, I'm going to learn the book. I'm going to understand how it applies to me. And then I'm going to figure out how I can convey that truth to other people. Again, we're commanded to by 1 Peter 3.15. Always have a reason for the hope that you have. Always be diligent in sharing that hope with other people. So we need to know what we're telling other people. Amen? We definitely do. Um, one of the things I love that Augustine said, he said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. And I believe that. I pray that you believe that. And what I believe the problem with the world is, is they're not finding rest. They're too busy believing the things they've created. They're too busy believing what they think we believe. That's always a fun one. When the world tells me what I believe as a Christian. No, we're not going to do that anymore. This has to be a year where we, we take up the reins to say, you know what? We're going to tell you what we believe. The Christian community is going to actually square away that, what we believe and, and talk about it and be willing to share. I know we think we're, we're always doing that, but we're not. The, the Christian church worldwide is not doing that. We're kind of just passing apart, tradition upon tradition that we've learned over the past 2,000 years. And now it's finally getting to a point where it's a little chaotic for different Christian traditions. So we have an interesting ability here because we, we've been a church that has been studying and has been learning and trying to learn these truths. So now I'm going to explain that paper that you have in your bulletin. We're going to go around with an offering plate at the end of service for the benevolent offering. And I'm going to ask you to drop this paper in that offering plate. And what I'm going to ask you to write is what are some things that you feel we, we cannot have a natural understanding in regards to? What, what is something that we cannot be offering the world man-made wisdom? What we think. We have to offer them what God says. What are some topics that maybe come up in your life, in your friendships, in your mind? Like, when you think about this is what God is saying in a certain regard to uh, this morning I talked to somebody and they said, um, decision making. That's something that we need to, we definitely shouldn't be telling the world, hey, you know, you can pick any man-made system on decision making and just run with it. No, we want to make sure people are making decisions that are in line with the will of God. So we need to understand how to convey that to people and explain that to people, right? Um, some other issues, uh, politics, sexuality, dating. Uh, I'm a young man. I'm going to just bring them up. Dating, sexuality, marriage. You know, these are things that we need to talk about that we cannot just tell the world what we think. You see? Uh, drinking. Uh, I'll tell you an honest story. Um, one day I was in the foyer after service, and I was listening to... Uh, a bunch of different conversations happen. I usually do that. And I'm listening, and then I somehow drinking came up. And I heard about five different responses as to what our church holds to or understands about drinking. We don't have five different responses. There's only one. There can only be one. One thing that the Christian community is saying about drinking. We know that the Christian community is not united in that regard, right? That's, you, know, you have the teetotalers. You can't drink ever, ever. It's actually a part of our constitution, by the way. You know, this church, you couldn't drink alcohol or work 
for a liquor store to be a member of this church because of the local politics, right? You have the liquor store right down the road. So, you know, you start to consider those things and you realize, all right, we don't want to pass on traditions. That, that shouldn't be our goal here. We want to make sure that the world, there are people out there that are wondering, what does the Christian community think about drinking? So I'm asking you to write on that paper, what are some of the things that you know that we need to get a better response to? We need to make sure that we're offering the true spiritual, the true elevated understanding in contrast to all the man-made natural explanations that are out there. What are some of those things? Give me some topics. That's, that's what I'm hoping for because I really want to dive in. Also, another way that we could do this is what are some Bible verses that you're thinking about that maybe have been uh, not properly uh, expounded upon? What do we need to be looking into? You know, what are some of these areas? And again, hopefully today is just the beginning. You know, I'm asking you to drop these papers just so I, I know what I want to talk about next week and the week to follow. But you know, I'm going to encourage us to keep doing this. Let's keep bringing up topics. Let's keep talking, diving into the scriptures and seeing what does God say about these things. As everybody's writing. All right. Diligently writing. What are the things that we cannot cater to our culture, but we need to call our culture into accountability in regards to? What are the topics that we need to be talking about? What are the things that we need to be offering the world true wisdom from God? Maybe what are your friends asking you? What are your family members interested in hearing about? What do the Christians think about this? Is, I guess, the right way to put it. What do Christians think about this? So, in closing, what I'm going to say is that uh, on my blog site, Miano Gone Wild, that I mentioned earlier, um, I'm going to be doing a blog on spirituality first. That's my first thing, because I want to get us into a healthy understanding of what I'm talking about with this elevated understanding. That spirituality, when you read that in your Bible, the spirit, what I want you to begin to interpret that is beyond, right? So, um, they must worship God in spirit, right, which is something outside of you. Right, beyond you, outside of man, they must worship God in spirit and in truth. We must be worshiping him with something that is outside of us, beyond us, if you will. Um, elevated, something that is elevated, for, you know, which we know is the spirit of God. Um, something that elevates us. Remember last week I talked about the mystical reality during communion. is not that Christ comes down here to eat with us. It's that the spirit brings us up to be with him. Right? Lifts us up into heavenly realms, as we see in Ephesians chapter 2. So before we move into the Lord's table this morning, I'm going to ask you to flip to the front of your bulletin. And what we have on the front of our bulletin is actually John Wesley's covenant prayer. And when I read through this prayer, I said, that is a great examination. As we're examining ourselves and saying, what are the topics that I need to be thinking about? This is the knowledge of God in contrast to man-made wisdom. Another thing we could begin to do is think about dying to ourselves. And John Wesley's covenant prayer highlights that. So I'm going to ask that we can read it together. Is that okay with everybody, that we'll read this covenant prayer together? All right, so I'll begin, and we'll just read together. I am no longer my own. Me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine, and I am thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. 
Amen.